and sisters, continuing to look at the pillars of Iman from a moral perspective. In the previous khutbah, we talked about belief in Allah and what it meant. And its implications with regards to our character. In this khutbah, we will be looking at belief in the angels. Something which we don't usually talk about very much. Belief in the angels. Because, to some degree, we may feel a bit shy about this belief in the angels. In Western society, Western civilization, there was a belief in angels. But with the development in science, technology, people replaced the various things which were attributed to the angels to laws governing the physical world. So belief in the angels drifted away and was looked at as the ancient people's attempt to explain what they didn't know. What was happening in the world around them, they didn't know the forces behind it, so angels was the way to explain it. Therefore, the modern mind could not possibly accept angels. It rejected it. And I would say personally, when I studied Islam, and I was a communist at the time, and I became impressed with the systems, the political, economic, social system of Islam, and I became convinced that the Islamic system really was the solution for humankind's woes and needs. The belief in Allah took time because as a communist one denies God's existence. So even though you may be convinced about the validity of the system, accepting God again in my life was not an easy step. It took some time. But Alhamdulillah Allah was merciful and He showed me why He exists in my own life, my own circumstance. After accepting it and um, stepping forward to learn the different things about Islam, practices, etc. When I came to belief in the angels, this was a problem for me. I'll say it honestly, it was a problem. But at that point what I did, I said, okay, I really can't understand it. But because everything else was right, I accept that it is a, a lack on my part, my own inability. So I will just save it until a later point in time when I can handle it. So I went ahead and accepted Islam, having uncertainty about the angels. Believing in the general sense, but really, if you were to hold me and say, well, can you explain this belief in the angels? I would say, I really couldn't. So, I can understand 
what would lie in the hearts of people from the West who have rejected this whole idea. And what may lie in the hearts of Muslims today, having been educated in a system which was produced by those who denied the existence of the angels. So I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised to find in this gathering of some thousand odd people, a number of Muslims who would say, yeah, you know, I really don't know what to do, really, really put this idea of belief in the angels. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He made it the second pillar of faith. He made it the second pillar of faith. <laughs> Meaning that it's important. It is very important. So really, what we need to do is to look to see what is the importance of belief in the angels. First and foremost, when we say, as the second pillar of faith, belief in the angels, it means belief in their existence. Belief in their existence. Belief in their attributes and their qualities as Allah and His Messenger have described them. And finally, it means also applying that belief in our life. Because as we said, every pillar of Islam and every pillar of Iman, of faith, has relevance to our daily lives. There is a place that has relevance because Allah did not give us knowledge for the sake of knowledge. This is a Western concept. Knowledge for the sake of knowledge. No. The Islamic concept is knowledge for its benefit. Knowledge for the benefit of that knowledge. When Allah reveals knowledge to us, it is because there is benefit in it for us, in our lives. Practical benefit which is applicable. Otherwise, it is just burdening, burdening us with something which we didn't need. So, when we look at the various texts of the Quran and the Sunnah, there is some basic information that we derive from it about the angels. First and foremost, angels are not what is depicted in the West. Either a man or a woman with big wings on his back or her back flying around. Nor are they like Cupid, little baby with wings on his back flying around. Remove those images from the minds and the hearts, first and foremost. Angels, Prophet Muhammad informed us, are created from light. And again, we have to be clear and understand that when the Prophet said angels are created from light, it doesn't mean that they are light. 
Because you have some people who, believing that angels are like, as themselves light, get involved in certain spiritual exercises where they may swing their head from side to side saying Allahu, 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 Allahu like this and they will keep saying it and swinging and swaying and you know until they hyperventilate and when you hyperventilate then your eyes play tricks on you you start to see sparks of light appearing so they say, ah, saw the angels no, this is nonsense this is nonsense Angels are not themselves light. Any more than we as human beings are created from dirt, and we're not dirt. Our origin is dirt. The same components which make up our bodies, we can find in the dirt, but we are not clumps of dirt walking around. In the same way, do not consider or think of angels as light. Because then you open the door, as I said, to that other channel. Which claims that you can see the angels as light beings, you know, when you reach certain stages of spiritual uh, development through these spiritual exercises which have no basis in the Qur'an or the Sunnah. Which are, as the Prophet ﷺ said, bid'ah. They are a source of misguidance. Their innovation, religion. Prophet Muhammad did not report in any narration to us that he saw angels as light. He never, not a single authentic narration in which the Prophet described the angels as light. So therefore, anyone who claims to have seen the angels as light, we have to say, are making false claims. Please, either come in, come in, if there's no room for you in, please step back out and let the door be closed. Let the door be closed. So understanding the angels, continuing to understand Allah has created them as beings to fit circumstances that He wanted them to operate within. In the case of Muhammad when he experienced revelation and he felt pressure on himself, in the cave, the beginnings of revelation when he left, Fearfully, leaving, he said, Jibreel, Angel Gabriel, filled the horizon. In whatever direction he looked, the horizon was filled with the being of Angel Gabriel. He was that huge. So we're not talking about, as I said, men flying around with wings on their backs. And, of course, Allah describes the angels with wings, but again, when He describes them with wings, we don't think about the wings of a bird. 
Because we talk about the wing of an airplane and we don't think about the wing of a bird. So, similarly, when they are described as having two, four, six large numbers of wings, we don't think of bird wings. Prophet Muhammad didn't say bird wings, nor did Allah say bird wings. So we don't think in those terms. We try to limit our grasp to what has been conveyed to us. Furthermore, when we look at the descriptions found in the Quran and the Sunnah, what we find is that virtually everything which takes place in this world that happens through the agency of angels. By Allah's permission, it happens through the agency of angels. Whether it is the rain, or lightning and thunder, whether it is the growing of the crops, etc. All that happens in the world, angels are involved in the happenings. This is how it is described in the Quran and the Again, somebody may ask, why? Why do angels have to be involved in everything that happens in this world? Couldn't Allah make these things happen without the agency of angels? This is the question. Couldn't? Yes. Of course. Allah is able to do all things. He doesn't need the angels for these things to take place. Similarly, He doesn't need gravity for things to fall down. He doesn't need the other forces of magnetism, magnetic forces which attract bodies. He doesn't need all of the various scientific laws that we have discovered all the way to E equals MC squared. He doesn't need it. But he has chosen to create this world governed by these principles. And as he has created it to govern by discernible principles that we can observe under the microscope, etc., he has also decided to create it operating not only under these discernible principles, but under undiscernible principles, principles that we can't see, that are behind it. Magnetism, magnetism operates through the agency of angels. We can see the effects of magnetism, we cannot see magnetism. And, as we've been informed, angels, angels were behind it, we also can't see. Perhaps a time will come when we'll actually be able to see the magnetic force. It might not. It might not. But, the time will not come when we'll be able to see the angels behind it. So why did Allah tell us about them? He could have just left that. Why tell
Magnetic force is enough for us. What do we need to know about these angels for? Reality is that telling us about the angels and their role within the world is a part and parcel of the overall role of the angels. Because the angels' role doesn't stop there. He goes on to inform us that there are angels, each and every one of us has an angel with him or her, which encourages that individual to good. There's an angel with each and every one of us, encouraging us to good. Furthermore, there are angels who record our deeds. On the right hand, recording our good deeds. On the left hand, recording our evil deeds. That's a part and parcel of the overall picture of the angels with regard to us. And the most important element is there. That our deeds are being recorded. Did the law need angels to record our deeds? No. So why did he tell us about these angels recording our deeds? So that we would be conscious, more conscious about the fact that whatever we do, we will have to meet on a day, the day of judgment, that it is all being recorded. To further remind us to be conscious about what we are doing, what we are saying. So, on one hand, it should create in us a character, a deliberate character, a character which deliberates whatever it does. Whatever we have to do, we deliberate on it. We ask ourselves, is this really good or is it really evil? Because if I do it and it's not good, it is going to be recorded against me. If it is good, it will be recorded for me. So I should try to do it. So I deliberate over the things that I'm going to do. I don't just do things. I'm not a spontaneous person in the sense that I don't stop and think things out before doing them. As the Prophet had said, Ta'anni min Allah. Deliberation is from Allah. It's a blessing from Allah. Wal'ajala min shaitan And haste is from Satan. So that spontaneous character who just has a feeling and go do it, this is satanic. It's not good. And knowledge of the angels is to help us to develop that deliberate character. One which deliberates. Thinks over things before doing them. Thinks about the consequence to come if these things are done. 
And it makes that individual a careful individual. You're careful. You take care in the things that you do. And this is important. Because much of sin, much of the sinful things that we do, are a result of our haste. We do things in our future. Oh, I should have done that. Because we didn't stop and think it through. <clears throat> so this is a very, very important uh, concept in our lives. Consciousness of the angels, awareness of their recording, on one hand, should keep us on the clear path. The straight path that we ask Allah to guide us to in all of our prayers. We think about what we're going to do before we do it. We take care in whatever we do. On the other hand, knowledge that there is an angel with each and every one of us who encourages us to good that should create in us a sense of gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because this is a blessing. This is a mercy. This is from the grace of God. Because He already created us with a consciousness of good and evil. Each soul that is created as Allah said, فَأَلْحَمَهَا فُجُورَهَا وَتَقْوَىٰ Each and every soul is created with a consciousness of good and evil already. So, this is additional from Allah. Something which we don't specifically deserve. It is from His grace that He has given us, assigned to each and every one of us, an angel who would remind us, who would encourage us to do what is good. Thoughts come into our heads. We wonder where they come from. You want to do something which is not necessarily good, and then the thought comes to your head. It's not good to do that. We take it and say, well, yeah, something you can think about, whatever. We don't stop to think, well, where did that thought come from? But the Prophet has informed us that this is the source. And this should remind us to be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our lives, the special grace that He has put in each and every one of our lives to help us to be on the straight path. I ask Allah to forgive our sins and to give us the reality of faith, belief in the world of the angels and that we apply that belief in our day-to-day -day life and become the deliberate type of individuals which God wished us to become. Belief in the angels. <coughs> belief in the angels represents belief in the unseen world. Angels were seen by the prophets of Allah. And by certain individuals in the past who Allah chose, who had special relationships with the prophets of Allah. 
included in that world of unseen beings, an extension of belief in the angels, is belief in the world of the jinn. The world of the jinn. A world parallel to our world, wherein there are beings, creatures, who have a free will as we do. Unlike the angels, the angels who do, as Allah said, they do whatever they are commanded to do. Angels do Allah's bidding without any question. They do not challenge Allah's bidding. They don't disobey Allah, not possible. But Allah created another world which shares with our world the ability to choose between good and evil. It's a part of the spirit world. We share the spirit world in that we have a spirit and a soul, human beings. But we live in a physical world at the same time. The angels are in the spirit world, but they have an impact in the physical world. There is another set of beings that live in the spiritual world known as the jinn. And they have an influence on, an effect on this world, this physical world in which we live. And that is why Allah spoke about them. And they were important enough that a chapter from the Qur'an is called the chapter of the jinn. There's no chapter called the chapter of the angels, but there's a chapter called chapter of the jinn. So they are important. <clears throat> and like belief in the angels, belief in the world of the jinn has an impact on our character, and Allah informed us about that world for reasons which have to do with our existence, our lives as creatures who should be worshipping Allah in all aspects of our existence. The topic, the world of the jinn, is a big topic. If you look at the series of books on the pillars of Iman, by Sheikh Umar al-Ashqar. This series is available. Nine volumes. It's available at the bookstore of the Qatar Guest Center, which is in Doha, the largest bookstore with the widest selection of English books on Islam and other languages. So, those of you that are not aware of it, should take benefit from it. In any case, this series, a very important series, which each and every family should have in their home, because Shaykh Omar al-Ashqar has described or elucidated the pillars of Iman 
in a wonderful way in which he has brought all of the evidences from the Quran and the Sunnah. So you feel a sense of confidence that the information you're receiving is authentic, reliable, and it is. In any case, when you look at that series, the book, of the book which is on the angels is about half the size as the book on the world of the jinn. Because that topic is a big topic. And I'm not going to be able to cover it in this khutbah. Unless you all want to stay until Asr. Uh, so enough for us to say that the world of the jinn has an impact in our lives that we should be aware of. We shouldn't deny their existence. We should seek knowledge about. Of course, in all of our cultures, we have a whole bunch of folklore, stories. We hear about people back in the village who had jinns who were cleaning their homes and teaching their people Quran and all kinds of stories right here. And it is important to know the truth about this all. So in future khutbas coming up, inshallah, we will look at it in a little more depth, at least in this world. But enough to know that the jinn, their origin, they were created from fire. This is what the Prophet informed us. And in the same way that the angels were created from light and they're not light, the jinn were created from fire and they're not fire. So if you have pictures of fireballs running around, remove them from your mind. And the question that some people raise, well if the jinn are created from fire, and they do good and they do evil, so the evil ones are going to the hellfire, how can fire harm fire? You know, that question comes up. That's because of a mistaken understanding of what it means to be created from fire. But in any case, the simple explanation for that question, which might be on your minds, is that we are created from earth. Isn't it? But can we not take some earth, clay, mold it, put it in a, a kiln, an oven, take it out, it's solid like a rock, and kill somebody with it? So even though we're made from earth, we can be killed, we can be harmed, we can be hurt by earth. So similarly, even though the jinn were made from fire, they can be harmed by fire. And they will enter the evil among them, will enter the fire, as the evil among human beings will also enter fire. <laughs> the other point to note is that they play a role of mischief in this world. They are, a, uh, they are a source of misguidance and harm. And that is why Allah has informed us about them in order to protect ourselves from their influence. <clears throat> the most important from the world of the jinn most important being is Satan. In our belief system, Satan 
was from the world of the jinn. Not a fallen angel as believed by Christians. This is according to Christian theology. That there are angels who disobeyed Allah, they created a group and Satan was the head of them. It's called Lucifer, gave him a variety of different other names. Now in our belief system, angels do what God commands them to do. Satan was from the world of the jinn. The most important point, shortest point that I can cover in this football, is why Allah created Satan. Knowing that he would tempt Adam and Eve, and they would fall under his temptation, his influence, and disobey God. And this relates to what? The general concept of why is there evil in a world created by a good God? Where did the evil come from? That's the big question. Well, Satan was created by Allah, knowing full well what he would do. And Allah created him, not evil. See, Satan is from the world of the jinn. He had a choice between good and evil. And for a period of time, he did what was good. But when he was tested, and we'll look at that later, he turned evil. When his faith was tested, he was commanded to bow before Adam, along with the other angels. He disobeyed. Allah knew all of this. So why did he go ahead and create him anyway? Knowing that he's going to come back when Adam and Eve are in the garden and deceive them. Because the consequence of Adam and Eve's deception, what happened when Adam and Eve were deceived? They disobeyed Allah, they ate from the tree. And then what? Then they turned back to Allah in repentance. That turning back to Allah in repentance after committing sin, this is one of the greatest acts of worship. As the Prophet said, One who repents from sin is like one without sin. So this was a magnificent form of worship, which would only exist if Adam disobeyed Allah as a result of being tempted by Satan. So we see the greater good. Allah permitted Satan's temptation for a greater good. Which is related to the nature of human beings that we will disobey Allah. And we need to have a way to remove that sin from ourselves. It is through repentance. So Adam and Eve became the model of repentance for us for and for all time. But that whole process could only take place in that scheme of things 
with the presence of Satan. So Allah created Satan, not for the evil that he would do, but for the good consequence that would come as a result of the evil which he would do. This is the guidance which Prophet Muhammad gave us. And this is why we are commanded, as Allah says in the Quran, Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi. Allah has stated that He and His angels bless the Prophet. And He calls on all of us who believe to also ask for peace and blessings to be on Prophet Muhammad. Because he was the messenger who brought to us this knowledge. Knowledge of the world of the angels, knowledge of the world of the jinn. Which would impact in our lives and help us to be on the right path. To do the right thing, to make the right decisions. And I ask Allah SWT to keep us on that path of knowledge where we seek to understand the world around us as Allah has revealed knowledge regarding it. We ask Allah to give us the conviction to apply this knowledge in our day-to-day -day lives, to make us practical Muslims who live this faith of Islam, to make us examples for those around us, Examples of righteousness and not examples of corruption. We ask Allah to give us sincerity, the blessing of sincerity, and to keep us in this faith till our last breath in this world. <laughs>